0: Welcome to OK-ish, a podcast all about mental health in the modern world. I'm Mary Ellen Dance, a licensed mental health therapist, here to strip away misunderstandings about therapy and share exactly what I do in an honest way. Don't worry, you won't hear inspirational quotes or be told to spend more time doing self-care. I'm here to get to the real stuff using my own experiences as a therapist and as a really messy human being. Come and laugh at yourself with me as you learn not how to become great, but how to become okay ish. Thanks for joining me today on Okay Ish. I'm Mary Ellen, your podcast host, a mental health therapist, and a very okay ish human being. So glad you're here with me again today. So, if you're friends with a therapist, or you are a therapist, or maybe you go to a therapist, or maybe you've just seen a therapist on television, You're probably familiar with therapist catchphrases or the way therapists speak. So what I mean is I'm sure we've all heard someone say, now, how does that make you feel? If you've heard any of my previous episodes, you know that I've never actually said that. (laughs) But we all seem to think therapists have a specific way of communicating. And as much as I often don't adhere to these specific ways of communicating, for example, I say fuck quite a bit. Sorry, mom and dad, if you're listening. But it turns out I do have a bit of that, you know, therapist speak in me. And so, what prompted me to do this episode is actually because the other day I was meeting with a client who found out that I often will do corporate workshops regarding mental health awareness, emotional intelligence, all that good stuff. And this client responded to me by saying that she thinks that I would be good at these things because I quote, speak a different language than people in a corporate setting. Oh, and I should add that this client is very high up in a very corporate setting, so she's quite familiar with what these types of workplaces are like. So I asked her to explain a little bit more, and she just said, you know, I don't know, you just speak differently than anyone else I know. I wasn't really sure whether or not to take that as a compliment or not, but I thought I'd look a little bit more into this, And that's why I wanted to take today's episode to maybe translate some of that therapist speak and explain a little bit of it so we don't just all sound like pretentious douchebags. I'll start by explaining some reasons that therapists may tend to use different language. In my schooling, I was taught to be strength-based. So what strength-based really just means is focusing on the strengths of the client before anything else. So like an easy example of this is, you know, we don't call someone who has been diagnosed with cancer, oh, their cancer or that cancer over there, right? So we shouldn't call someone diagnosed with schizophrenia, a schizophrenic or they're schizophrenic, right? They're a person with schizophrenia. So we're taught as therapists to be strength-based, Focus on the individual and the strength before anything else. So, this makes sense, right? And so, oftentimes, that can seem a little bit different if we're talking to someone and the therapist maybe kind of uh, not correcting some of the language, but kind of using language a little bit differently. So, I do have to say that even though this is great. And I fully, fully support being strength-based. We have to focus on the individual, and every individual has their own strengths. You all listening have your own strengths out there. This can get a little bit tricky, which I have learned in some of my positions as a therapist. So we're probably all familiar with identifying someone's or our own strengths and weaknesses, right? We've probably all had to do that in a job or performance review or whatever it may be not in therapy. We don't identify strengths and weaknesses. We identify strengths and areas of improvement. I had a supervisor in one of my first jobs as a therapist, where anytime I was frustrated with a client, or maybe I just kind of felt stuck or wasn't clicking with a client, or if I really encountered anything tricky, which happens quite often, especially when I was very new in the field, this supervisor would say, wow, Marion, this is such an opportunity for growth. Oh my gosh. He was an awesome supervisor, but man, I am pretty sure I had days where I was like, if you tell me that I have another opportunity for growth, I'm going to quit right on the spot. I cannot handle this. So this whole strength-based type of speaking and thinking was also sometimes really, really tough when I was a chemical dependency therapist. So, in this job, unfortunately, I would often get lied to, threatened, yelled at. You get the idea. Great job, met amazing, amazing people. But with some of the struggles in that type of position, as much as I wanted to be strength based and positive and looking at the individual's strengths and how those strengths can help the individual grow, it felt nearly impossible some days. Oh my gosh. I will never forget the day where I was in a case consultation meeting, which is just a fancy term for chatting with therapists about specific clients to gain further insight ideas on how to work with a client. And so I'm in this case consultation meeting and I called a client a liar. I said something along the lines of, you know, I'm having trouble connecting with this client or getting anywhere with this client or making progress because they're such a liar, And my supervisor immediately jumped in and said, Mary Ellen, that's not strength-based. So I rolled my eyes and corrected myself by saying, I'm having trouble connecting with this client because they're a poor historian. I'll let that sink in for a minute. Another term us therapists use for people who struggle with this may also be called they're an unreliable narrator. So I'm not going to lie. All of this strength-based talk can sound a little bit silly, right? It can sound a little bit silly to call someone who's lying an unreliable narrator or a poor historian, but I'm going to be honest, it really works. So first of all, one of the reasons it works is because oftentimes people's areas of growth, aka weaknesses, exist because it's helped them in some way. Using lying as an example People often learn to lie because it's protected them from abuse or trauma or relationships. You know, these things are often just coping skills that are pretty unhealthy, but the person has acquired for some reason that's helped them along the way. So, you know, calling someone a liar or whatever term that's not strength-based isn't taking the time to recognize the fact that maybe... That client is doing that, that thing, like lying, as a survival technique. And again, as silly as it is, or as silly as it sounds, that my supervisor would always ask me about my opportunities for growth, and it drove me nuts, it also worked because seriously, if I'm struggling with a client, if I'm a therapist and I'm struggling with a client, and I think in my head, oh, they're a liar. That's not going to make my job any easier, right? That will just fill up my negativity. But focusing on someone's strengths and opportunities helps my mindset in working with people. And I need that for myself too, right? I don't want someone else to call me a liar. And I've lied in my life, right? I told my business lawyer that if he ever has bad news for me, like if I ever do something wrong or owe money or, you know, whatever it may be. He needs to say it in a strength-based and gentle way, preferably sandwiched between two compliments. I told him that I respond best to feedback given in that way. <laughs> I probably should be paying him more. But anyways, to continue this whole topic of like therapists speak, right, along with being strength-based... The relationship between a client and therapist is such a unique type of relationship that's really different from any other type of relationship. So us therapists, in our therapist-speak type of way, like to call it the therapeutic relationship. We weren't as clever with naming that one. But it's interesting because oftentimes part of the therapeutic process, aka going to therapy, And getting to know your therapist and getting to know yourself and working on all of your stuff in therapy. Often part of this therapeutic process is looking at the therapeutic relationship and what's going on in the therapeutic relationship. So what I mean by that is, you know, if a client comes in and is always kind of aggressive, yelling, rude towards me, that most likely means that that's the way they act towards other people And that's going to help me gain insight as their therapist into what's going on in the outside world, right? How their relationships are going, all of that. So it's not uncommon for me to say something in the therapy room like, oh, you responded to me kind of short or, you know, I notice you keep interrupting me, which is fine. But like, I'm wondering if that's contributing to what's going on in your marriage, friendship, you know, co-working relationship, whatever it may be. So another thing that the therapist watches out for within this therapeutic relationship is any transference or counter transference. So fancy. So transference is when, for whatever psychological reason, and there are many, many, many psychological reasons that I won't go into, but transference is when a client is reminded of someone in their personal life by the therapist So they treat the therapist differently based on this. So, for example, if a client comes to me and my age, my looks, my mannerisms, my voice, my personality is that of similar to their sister, they're going to treat me a little bit differently because of that, right? So countertransference is the same thing, just from therapist to client, right? So the client reminds the therapist of someone, and then the therapist struggles with that. So I'm talking about this because this is often discussed at length in therapy sessions. There are actually a number of psychological theories that focus heavily on transferences within therapy And how transferences aren't bad, but they can be beneficial to the therapeutic process. And oh my gosh, am I sounding fancy yet? (laughs) It doesn't feel fancy. It feels more like a tongue twister. But as I was preparing for this episode and kind of gathering together some of this information, I was like, holy cow, maybe my client meant something now by speaking a different language. Because what ends up happening for therapists and people who are in therapy these words, these terms end up getting used in our personal lives, right? Because they can apply to our personal lives too. And so I end up kind of bringing all of these terms into my personal life. And then I'm talking about things and I'm like, oh my gosh, my client was right. I do speak a different language. Again, still don't know if that was a compliment or not. So All of these words, some of them fancy, some of them just regular words with the term therapeutic in front of them, have purposes. They have purposes in the therapy room with a therapeutic process. Another one of these that has a purpose and one of my personal favorites is therapeutic silence. The purpose of therapeutic silence is to basically just wait for the client to feel uncomfortable in the silence so that they can talk. Literally, like in grad school... We practiced sitting in silence so that we as the therapist in training at the time could get comfortable with silence because a lot of the time we're talking about very, very difficult, stressful things and it takes time to process those things. So our brains need to work a little bit and they may need to work a little bit in some silence or just making the client uncomfortable so that they're the first one that you know gives in and talks. So a few years ago, I had, I had a teenager who was, you know, a too cool for school kind of teenager. And he was in my office for the first time. And his mother was, for lack of a better term, forcing him to come to therapy. And so, you know, I bring the mother in to gain some information. Mother leaves and we just sat there and stared at each other for like a good five minutes. You guys, 5 minutes in silence staring at someone is a really long time. <laughs> so finally, he said to me, "You know, you can't make me talk." And so I responded saying, "That's okay. I can sit here all day." And then we sat in, you know, this therapeutic silence again. And guess what? He began talking. And we had a great relationship. He was awesome. All right. So, so far, I've been talking about these therapeutic terms that maybe you've heard of, maybe you haven't, because a lot of them are primarily used in the therapy room. But like I was saying a few minutes ago, a lot of these words translate to outside of the therapy room. So I didn't even realize that I had started communicating differently after becoming a therapist until one day my dad called me. So he called me and he was really excited because he had been at a work event and there was a therapist at this work event who gave some type of talk. This was many years ago when I first became a therapist. So he was a proud father, very excited to you know, go up to this woman afterwards and say, my daughter's a therapist, you should connect, yada, 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 right? So he's telling me this story and he goes, oh my gosh, Mary Ellen, she sounded just like you. I was like, what are you talking about? And he goes, she kept using all those therapy words, like boundaries. I mean, he had a point. I use the term boundaries all the time. But like thinking back on it, before I became a therapist, I don't think I ever used that word. (laughs) So I'm also the type of person, if you know me, if you know me, you're about to laugh because I'm the type of person who needs a lot of validation. (laughs) I love me some validation. And it's funny because I've needed validation my whole life. I think I used to, I used to maybe use the word reassurance instead of validation, but I never necessarily knew exactly how to ask for what I needed. And then I become a therapist and learn about these therapy words, as my dad would say, like boundaries and validation. I'm like, holy cow, this is what I've been missing. I need validation from everyone. The problem with this, though, is now I have to teach people what exactly validation is. And that saying I validate you doesn't quite necessarily cut it. (laughs) And so another, you know, therapy term that we probably all hear is about I feel statements. I encourage clients to use I feel statements all the time in communication because it makes for more positive communication. And for those of you who don't know, an I feel statement is saying, I feel insert whatever feeling when you insert whatever the other person is doing because insert why their behavior is making you feel that way. So like, I feel sad when you don't answer my phone calls because it makes me feel like you're ignoring me, right? So I feel statements, unfortunately, often get misinterpreted because just putting the words I feel in front of a statement doesn't quite cut it. For example, when I first tried to teach my mom about I feel statements and she wasn't too interested in listening, her response was, I feel that you're being annoying. It's not quite as productive, but it got her point across. (laughs) So in sharing all of this, hopefully we can laugh a little bit because I am sure we have all encountered these situations. Maybe we've said something that the other person is like, what are you? talking about. Or maybe other people have said that and we're like, what are these words they're using? (laughs) A few weeks ago, I was talking with a group of friends and one friend was sharing some struggles that she was experiencing. So the rest of us were saying things like, you know, what's going on? How can we help? You're great. Don't worry about it. Right. All of those supportive things that friends say. And at one point, I asked a question, and I'm going to be honest, I don't even remember exactly what my question was, but something along the lines of, oh, well, what happens that made you feel that way? And suddenly, all of my friends jumped in and was like, oh, Mary Ellen's therapizing. She went into therapist mode. And I'm like, oh, because here's the thing. I don't really remember what words I used before boundaries and validation, but I do notice that using these words all the time in my daily life as a therapist has translated to me using these these kind of terms outside in the outside world. And so all of these fancy therapy terms are not meant to intimidate people. They're not meant to scare people off, even though sometimes they do. They're not meant to make people say, stop therapizing you. I'm not trying to therapize you. They're really meant to just try to understand what's going on in someone's head, right? Try to explain thoughts and feelings in a productive, descriptive way. So as your therapist, I can help understand. So as a therapist, I'm going to keep using the word fuck, but I'm definitely going to keep using all my therapy words too, because who wouldn't want to refer to someone who is lying as an unreliable narrator, (laughs) but they wouldn't be expecting that. I hope this helps give a little bit of insight and maybe I'll, you know, use the word boundaries or validation or any of these words a little bit more in your very okay-ish life. Disclaimer, this podcast is produced for your universal listening pleasure. Any statements shared during our program are opinions and experiences of our team and guests. If you disagree with any content presented herein, please find another show before submitting nasty grams. This is a positive vibes only platform. If you love our show and want to connect, share your experiences or know someone who we should interview on future episodes, please don't hesitate to get in touch through our website or Instagram. Thanks for listening to this program brought to you by daydreamer network. If you enjoyed the episode, please don't forget to rate and review on Apple podcast or your preferred platform. Your feedback allows us to rank on the best new shows list and continue to grow our podcasts in order to bring more unique and talented storytellers to the network to check out our shows, including programs about relationships, sports, business, nutrition, leisure, and more head to www.daydreamernetwork.com. We look forward to seeing you back next week for another great episode. Have a wonderful day.